Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 265. Aaron Schultz, how are you, Aaron? Pretty good, mate. You put me to shame. 265, I've done 183, so I've uh, still got a bit of catching up to do. And, and speaking of that, mate, I've, uh, if you want to hear probably the most vulnerable I've been on a podcast, your Outback Mind podcast, you, I'm a bit nervous today because you were so good at interviewing, mate. The questions that you asked me and the way you articulated them, it really uh, it made me open up. And I've had a couple of people that, uh, since I posted about it, really say, um, you know, that we didn't know certain things about you or that you shared different things and that they, were, they really enjoyed it. So, um yeah, if people do want to listen to that, it's a fantastic episode. No, something I'm really proud of, mate, but also really appreciate the quality of interview you are. Well, it's probably um, a lot of people have actually said that, and it's not it's not something I, um, I I strive for. I guess it's just natural, just to ask questions which are which are important and can actually help an individual start to um, have some self realization and, and sort of open up a little bit, you know. With, with guys, we're very close, but if you, you're you able to, um, you know, sort of go down a, a pathway of, of growth and capacity building through these things and all of a sudden we start to, you know, I suppose question the way we think and the way we can actually, like, uh, expand ourselves moving forward, I think it's really important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I just think... Uh... There is an art. It's an incredible art that you do have, and hopefully, I can repay the favour today. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to straight off the bat, mate. I just wanted to yeah say um, yeah how good it was and and the feedback that I got. So yeah, if anybody does want to listen to that, it's Outback Mind Podcast episode number one seventy six. Um, and yeah, Aaron absolutely crushed it. And and something I actually listened to it a couple of times, mate. Even I hate my sound of my own voice. I hate listening to my story, but um, the way you did it was brilliant, mate. So let's get into you, uh, the Outback Mind Foundation podcast. We're going to talk all about that and the great work you're doing around regional, you know, Australia helping men's mental health. And I think it's such an important topic. We can get that. But your story, let, let's start there. Where Where's all this come from? I know you've come from, you know, sort of anxiety and different issues yourself. Um, but, yeah, do yeah. you want to basically for the listeners, uh, we've pumped up your podcast, how good of an interview are, Aaron. But let's get back <laughs> to the start, mate. Where's, all, where's, where's Aaron from? Where's it start? What's going on? Yeah, it's interesting, mate. I come from Horsham in country Victoria. Um, so I was a little fellow there. Um, I got a brain tumor when I was three. Uh, that brain tumor almost took my life. They rushed me to Melbourne at Alfred Hospital. They got it out. I was in there for three or four months, come home. And, and um, yeah, I had trouble with my balance for years. So I got sort of taken into the normal school system and having to go into the running races and doing all that sort of shit like everyone else. And I was teased because, uh, you know, I, I was probably a little bit uncoordinated, I, I guess, you know, and no one ever actually ever really understood or um, paid attention to probably why that was. Um, so, yeah, so I, I was a pretty pretty heart-centered sort of a kid. Um, you know, I knew when I was a young fella that there was more to life than what we were sort of getting uh, educated towards at school. I remember in grade four, getting a smack on the ass by a teacher for not doing much wrong. And I'm sort of thinking, why am I copping this? You know, so, um, so yeah, so I went through that. I went into high school, 
the high school was like going to war every day. It was pretty rough and that sort of thing. And um, I went awesome. through like still an awesome yeah, horse yep. from tech. So I went through the school system and sort of never really knew what I wanted to do. But but deep down, there was a yearning to 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 actually like not so much help others, but actually realise the gift that we've got in life as humans. Uh, and really, you know, being disconnected from our identity. You know, we were always going to be a painter or a plumber or a physio or a psychologist or whatever. And where I was from, you were very much judged on, on what that actually was, you know, what your self-worth was in life because of the status that you had and what you owned and all that type of stuff. So so I sort of got to that, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 um, year age group, a little bit um, disillusioned, you know, partying, drinking, doing all that sort of stuff, didn't really know where I was going to go. Um, you know, I got... Uh, Got uh, in trouble with the cops a couple of times for drink driving and that sort of thing, and and got, got punished for that, you know. So big right up in the paper, and you know I was made feel like I was, um, uh, you know, I, I was shamed for doing the wrong thing. But no one actually understood why I was behaving that way, and no one actually ever questioned or asked that, you know. So um, so yeah, so I, I sort of come out of that, and then sort of went into corporate life and started to climb the ladder, and you know I was just pretty much an uneducated kid, but I had drive. Uh, you know, I was able to perform really well in the roles that I was doing. So I went from being a good performer into a manager's role and then, you know, basically walking, uh, sorry, climbing my way up the ladder that way, um, getting into uh, you know, high-level management and uh, really really never had any training, you know, never, never had the MBA or anything behind me, but I'm sort of mixing in those circles. Um, but really underneath it all, Dale, I never never really understood myself. Like that little boy from all those years ago was never really able to be um, uh, able to live his passion and his dream. Um, so, yeah, so I moved through that. About the age of 37, I started to really, really question life and where I was heading. And um, uh, I got made redundant from a corporate role um, and I just lost all my self-worth. You know, I went home to my wife and she was really... Um, not supportive of me and what I'd been through. And I really was close to suicide then because um, I just thought, well, you know, uh, now I'm, I'm worthless. I, I don't have any um, any identity. Um, and I really, I don't want to keep going down this pathway because uh, it's not really who I am. But I'm having to do that to be able to be a contributor to the family and have, um, you know, a good income and all that sort of stuff and judge on the car that I had and the house that I had and all that sort of stuff. So, um so I, I decided I'm going to do something different. I went to a doctor and I said, look, mate, I'm fucking really stressed. And that took a lot of courage. Um, that was 2000 and, uh, 2007 or eight or something to, to do that. And he said he was really lucky. He said you can do two things. You can um, take pills or you can exercise. So I lost connection with my physical body, you know, because I've been working so hard. And um, that night I went home and we lived out of town, like on a farm, like uh, we never got junk mail. And in the letterbox that night, there was a, um, a pamphlet for the first 24-hour gym that was opening in Australia. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, um, I thought, well, here's my ticket. I can go in there and I can do stuff and people, um, uh, before people get there, they, they can't see me, they can't judge me, and that, you know. So I, um, I called up, uh, got, got signed up to go. Um, I went online, I bought a uh, program. A guy had this online program to try and you know, change your body. So every day for you know, six months to start with, I religiously went to the gym every morning and 
you know, call myself a weak prick and this, that, the other, and you know, and then started to come over, uh, overcome all that self doubt, and then um, slowly started to change, and people started to say, "Well, shit, you know, what's he doing?" And um, yeah, I just started to lift more. I started to get a bit more self confidence back. Um, within the space of twelve months, I um, I was really fit. Honestly, I was able to do thirty or forty chin ups in, in one hit, no problem in time. Deadlift a couple hundred kilos, only sort of sixty kilo myself. Um, you know, I do some pretty incredible athletic pursuits. Um, so I took it out of the gym then, and then I, I got into kettlebell training. So kettlebells were very, um, uh, I suppose they weren't popular back then. There was a guy in Tasmania called Paul Tucker. He'd been going to Russia and training with the Russians for years on how to functionally lift kettlebells and what that can actually do for your core strength in your physical body. And um, he started to train me and give me all those challenges. And I was putting, you know, all this weight overhead. My core strength just got incredibly strong. Um, from there, Paul and I started to bring in um, kettlebells into Tasmania. We started to train, you know, clubs and so forth. Uh, we started to train the Tasmanian cricket team. Uh, so I started to work with guys like Tim Payne and Ben Hilfenhaus and George Bailey, and that's really good athletes. And um, there's a bit of ego still there with me. I was sort of, you know, trying to outperform and, and that sort of <laughs> shit. <laughs> and, uh, but really what happened uh, through, through that process was I realised that all the work needed to be done above the shoulders uh, for them, but also for me too. So to be able to learn how my mind actually works and then be able to sort of come back to that level of humility and harmony again. So I actually walked out of that and I went into Buddhism and um, I got trained into a completely different uh, discipline. You know, having to sit still uh, with monks and um, learn how my mind worked and, and how my mind had been agitated all these years and how I'd used the gym to, um, to settle my mind down. But this was actually converting me into another um, level of awareness. And, um, yeah, so um, athletically I was still doing some, some pretty pretty cool things, like multi-sport events and running, so long-distance running. My work capacity and my endurance was really strong. But at the same time, I was learning how to settle my mind down and, um, and just that complete calm that we actually have with all, within all of us once we get out of our own road. Um, so that really helped me um, go through that process. I went from there, I got into, into yoga, uh, I got into um, uh, meditation, other forms of yoga, travelled around the world. I started to learn more about that, the, the mind-body connection that comes with those sorts of modalities. Um, yeah, and then I ended up working as a workplace health advisor with the Tasmanian government trying to um, guide wellbeing um, for the state but also for um, the health department and the government. Um, bodies there to try and have a more of a proactive approach to well-being rather than a reactive approach, you know. So I started to put some interventions in place on how people could actually start to feel a little bit more calmer and supported in the workplace and, and go from there. And, you know, after a while I had some really major successes, but then I realised that the agenda above it all was that unhealthy people are good for the economy and they didn't want people to be too conscious and aware and, and healthy at the end of the day. So, so I moved out of that and I started to follow the yoga path more. Uh, and then over time with that, I really wanted to start to give back to people in rural communities to be able to teach them the skills that I've been able to develop so they can actually start to learn how to empower themselves rather than be disempowered. Um, because really, I think society's trying to disempower us, um, you know, consistently. But if we, start, if we start to wake up to that, then we can start to really start 
to, to take control of our own lives and move uh, forward with a bit more uh, confidence and, and um, trust and support with ourselves and be able to help empower others to do that. So, so the men's thing for, uh, for, for me is really important because uh, I just think guys are disempowered uh, consistently. You know, our role in life and our self-worth, and that's been sort of taken away. But to be able to give guys... Uh, awareness and understanding and help them build capacity and, and develop skills that, uh, that can support their well-being, I think it's really important, you know, and um, it's something that's, um, that's got to be consistently done on a daily basis to be able to survive well in this modern, modern world, you know, to be able to do things which actually help us connect rather than disconnect. And, um, um, yeah, that's my, my, my drive and passion to be able to do more of that moving forward to help uh, other guys in regional communities start to, you know, live this life to their potential rather than, um, you know, just, just cruise through it and sort of get to the end of it and wonder why, you know, they're, they're still unhappy. Yeah. I yeah. I, so many yeah. things in that, Aaron, I, I just, uh, I think yeah. a lot of people will be able to relate to a lot of things that you mentioned, but particularly, you know, not just for men, but that, that struggle, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like you had a pretty significant, uh, you know, with cancer at a young age and, then that affected your balance and kids are mean, you know, kids are cruel. They don't understand the effect of, you know, the bullying or the remarks or that body conscious or the images or what they're doing. And then as we keep going, we don't discover ourselves, but we get into high school and we're told it's all about status or what we own or the title we have. And um, it keeps going on and on and on. And, and I think more so than ever, do you think in, in what we've gone through the last couple of years with COVID, and I don't want to ponder on COVID because I'm sick of talking about it, but I know personally that I've had a lot of times where you you justify or you're thinking, what is my self-worth when you can't work? Do you know what I mean? And, and so many other people mm-hmm. now are probably realising that because everything we've done in life, people, you meet someone, Aaron, oh, what do you do for work? Instead of what yeah. excites you? What are you passionate about? You should never ask yes. anyone you know, like what they do for work, who cares? Like, are they a good person? Are you kind? You know, and now after everything that's happened, people are starting to realise that there's more than just your title or what you own or how many stocks or what you got in the bank. Like, are you finding that COVID in a way has been a positive for all these social uh, these social manners that we've just been passed on over time that are not healthy? Yes, I absolutely agree. It's, it's probably woken a lot of people up and people are starting to realise now, well, geez, I'm not going to have to um, uh, work my whole life and, and get, get to the age of a pension or a super and then, and then go out and explore the world or discover a little bit about myself. I can actually bring that forward now. So it's actually made people sort of, you know, start to wake up a little bit. Uh, but, you know, you know the, the, the power of being human is... Um, is untapped, you know, we, we really need to be able to do things which can actually help us, um, um, you know, engage more with the simple things in life. So one of the big things for me years ago was getting back from India and just seeing all the people over there that were so happy that didn't have much. Uh, uh, I got home and looked at everything I had. I'm thinking, God, I've saved my whole life to have all this stuff, but it's making me really unhappy. And, and really that the, the, the pure gifts of life you know, kindness, gratitude, compassion uh, are so much more powerful than greed, shame, guilt, fear, all that type of stuff, you know. Uh, and, and that really woke me up because people that were just so pure in their, in their um, natural environment that were so giving, were so happy, you know. It took me back to when I was a young fellow and my grandfather and, you know, some other people around me that completely, you know, just did everything to serve others 
they were the happiest people that I ever saw, you know, um, rather than the ones that had all the assets and were miserable. So, you know, a few years ago, my dad ended up in a nursing home and I ended up working at that nursing home doing men's wellbeing work. And I went around and I interviewed a lot of the guys, guys there, the old guys, you know, about what was important in life and, and all that type of stuff. A lot of them farmers and that. And they said, you know, it's just bullshit, all, all the stuff. You know, we've made money, we've got this, that, but I'm not happy. The, the best things that I ever did was, um, you know, help help the young bloke um, uh, be a better cricketer or be, a, you know, a better person and, and gave them some skills which actually helped them. So them helping others was what really uh, was most valuable rather than, um, you know, the material stuff that we're led to believe will bring us happiness because it's only impermanent, you know. Um, you know, the stuff you can do to help another human comes from your heart centre. I believe the more we can start to live from our heart centre, then the real engagement starts to occur rather than sort of being dominated by, you know, the judgments and opinions of the mind which get in the road of our, our truth. Mm, so just sitting here nodding along, service to others is... It's something that it, we know the benefits of it, but we don't always do it. And I think the, the couple of things you just mentioned there that, you know, traveling is such a gratifying experience, Aaron, and particularly going to places, you know, like through Asia or Africa or you're saying India that really don't have anything. They are so poor, but then you look at everybody there and they're so happy. Whereas you walk around the streets here in Australia and we're one of the luckiest countries in the world, but are we like, yes. like, is that, are we though? Like seriously? Yeah, no, no, I, I don't think so, mate. And if you look at humans, like humans traditionally in, 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 their, in their natural environments move around, you know, so the indigenous would move. They, 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 they'd spend time in the year in Shepherd and then they'd go north and then they, you know, spend time up here and then they'd go back down and that sort of thing, you know. So I really believe humans are meant to move about. That, that, that's really what keeps us engaged and, um, you know, and, and happy in many ways. Uh, so, so society's got a lot to answer for with regards to programming, programming us into a, uh, a lifestyle where we... Uh, we see success from our, you know, our, our home and our assets and that. That's important, but also to be able to really functionally flow as a human and what um, nature intended us to do, I think, is something that we don't actually understand um, and we don't um, we don't sort of connect uh, enough with, you know. So humanology, I call it, and um, you can empower the human or you can disempower the human. A lot of the agenda is around disempowering the human. And the education system's got a lot to answer for with regards to that as well. Yeah. Uh, well, we could talk a lot about that. And I think uh, the people making the decision with the education system aren't the ones doing the heavy listing or seeing the impact it's having on the ground. And I, I see so many teachers now and, I really take my hat off from being a teacher myself, Aaron, and it's just, it's not their fault. They they are struggling. They are trying not to drown. They, they're trying to just tread water. Um, and it's it's a really, it, it's a really sad thing to see. Um, but what I do like about, you know, educating and helping and empowering and particularly what you mentioned before about when your father was, you know, in a nursing home and you're going around, you're giving back, but also you're speaking you know, you're speaking to them about what really matters. What well, what are some of the other things that come out? Because I think this is really important that, you know, it's not regret and you can't change the past, but it's also important to hear from people that have lived before you um, so you don't go making the same mistake or you don't start thinking that this is as important than it's not really. So what what were some of the, the main things that you got back from that and, and what did you learn from it, I suppose? 
really about you know some of the beautiful fellas and, and what I've been able to learn through um, you know yoga and, and those sorts of traditions is just actually working with the flow of life. So so being accepting of what's going on every day and being able to uh, to work with that rather than against it. So we do force things a lot. When we force things, usually our life forces back against us. And a lot of these guys' mistakes have been from from you know trying to get too far or or force outcomes and that sort of thing. And um, and really, you know, that that works sometimes and that gives you temporary temporary happiness. Uh, but eventually, you know, actually being grateful and being uh, able to accept um, what life's dishing up at you uh, for you, and then being able to work with that. Uh, in a positive manner, I think you know really the, the, the key outcomes from from those sorts of um, uh, you know uh, older generations, which what they can pass down for us. You know, life is really a beautiful gift. We just get in the road of that. You know, consistently, mm. our mind dominates too much, and it's um, um, you know it's it's not open, it's closed uh, too too often. So to be able to do things where you're expansive and creative, and I think it's really important. And I, I get in my own road of that too, consistently, you know, so I've got to be able to, to, to see where my mind's going, what's, what's actually happening, why it's trying to block me, and then be able to move up beyond that. I think it's really important, you know. So, you know, I see my dad, he's got Alzheimer's and dementia and that since he's been in that environment. But really... What happens is, is when you go into those environments or you go into care or you go into, um, you know, the medical system, you are comforted too much. No growth happens in comfort. You've got to be able to have some discomfort in your life to continue to develop and evolve and, and grow and move forward. And, you know, that's what, that's what I learned from, you know, uh, age-old yogis but also the old ones which were really wise in those sorts of environments. You know, they... They were getting out of there consistently rather than sitting under fluoro lights and being disconnected out, uh, connected and eating scones and you know, cups of tea and shit, or you know, uh, do things that can actually help you, you know, thrive, not just survive. I think it's really important. Mm. I, I must admit, though, I do like uh, a nice scone, jam, and cream, Aaron. I, I'll be very impartial to one, mate. <laughs> with, with what you're saying there, though, like, I think. Anything in life that comes back to, I think that's been present. And why you're just talking then is one of the reasons I love doing a podcast because I, it just stops me thinking about everything else going on. And it doesn't matter what I did this morning or what I've got to do this afternoon. I, I'm with you right now, and I think yeah. that's essential. That that's a that's a gift, you know, like just to be able to shut my mind down and be present with you at the moment. Um, yeah. Is that one thing you found from your podcast? Did it? It just grounds you and it gives you that bit of time to just stop and be present. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. When you're having a conversation with someone, uh, and it's, uh, this conversation today is not scripted. When, when I do podcasts, they're not scripted. You know, we just talk about what's, what, whatever's coming up, whatever's going on. You know, that's where we're getting in our road in life. We're actually like too regimented with the way we actually do things. And, you know, I feel sympathy for people that come through the traditional university system and the education system because they're following this pathway, which probably is actually limiting them in many ways. You know, um, it's, it's quite limiting. You know, ones that can go in, they can be creative and they can, they can, they can open up and then have flair and, uh, and those sorts of things in their life. And they're expansive, you know. Um, but I just think we shut people down with these sort of robotic systems and, and don't actually uh, allow the people 
um, to, to, to grow, you know, uh, when you go into a role. I really feel sorry for a kid that goes to year 12, they go to uni, they come straight out and they're in this system and they never wake up their whole life. A lot of them, you know, you've got to be able to do the work and consistently do the work to be able to, to really expand yourself and, uh, and come out of that. And I just believe that every human has got some, some incredible gifts. We just, uh, you know, shut them down or have them shut down. But some of the most important work that I've done is to go into prisons and teach mindfulness and meditation to a lot of these guys that have been punished for trauma that's not their fault. Now, they've been locked up because they've been, you know, a kid that's lived on the wrong side of the tracks and they've had, um, you know, some trauma in their lives. Dad's done something wrong. Grandpa's done something wrong. All these intergenerational things that have been passed on to this kid there's been no compassion for that kid. All of a sudden, they're back in the system again, you know. And, and I've had guys, you know, just because I've helped them feel safe and, and given them ways and, and tools and strategies on how they can you know, settle down and start to feel themselves again. Once you can help an individual um, start to, to, to learn that they're, they're actually important and they've actually got some, some real gifts inside them, it's amazing what can happen, you know. And another, another great lesson that I have is teaching yoga to year 11s and 12s, you know, from, um, from high-level private schools in Melbourne, you know, Wesley College, and those, those schools where you're paying, you know, I should love to send this, your kids there. These kids, mate, they were so stressed and tense and, tense and anxious at 17, 18. What sort of life's ahead for them, you know? Like, um, they're, they're, they're going to think that happiness comes from their status and their stuff. You know, they're, they're, they're so disempowered and so disconnected early on. You know, they might, might end up in jail, but they've got the same amount of trauma that the guy that's in prison has actually had, you know. It's just different. So yeah, it is. It's just different, yeah. The only way they can find release is through drinking or booze or, or um, you know, smoking something or taking something. But, you know, no one's actually brave enough to sort of come into their truth and actually sit with that and then start to move out of that. That's how we can really start to grow as humans, you know, rather than sort of masking all the shit that gets in our road. Yeah, just just surviving, like you said before. I think when you're talking about, you know, in the prison system and it's really just been a little bit empathetic for people's situations and not labelling everyone from where they came from or their upbringing or what, what side of the tracks they're from or different things like that. And, and likewise, at a private school, don't label them either. Like everybody's the same. And I, I think when you were just mentioning all that, it really comes down to, you know, being a part of something, being a part of a community, a tribe. Um, I heard a, a, a fantastic psychologist the other day speak, Maria uh, Roberto, and talk about flocking, that this this is a new thing that everybody just wants to be part of a flock. They want to belong. Yes. They want to have, play their role. And essentially, that's what you're just talking about, giving people the tools to feel comfortable and safe as an individual, but then also be able to find their flock or their tribe. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's what we're meant to be doing as humans, mate. You know, so so the whole the whole system is about disappearing you, you know, disconnecting you, isolating you, all that type of stuff. And that's where we struggle as humans, you know. You just gotta have a wake-up call and look at what everything else is doing. They're doing shit together. You know, look at everything else in nature, they're doing exactly what nature intended, they're eating what nature intended for them. We're just doing things totally the opposite. Then we wonder why we, we become physically unwell or we become mentally unwell because we're actually like, we're, we're disconnected. It's not fucking rocket science, you know, but, but the whole system, the whole colonial model is about that. So you just think about it like, you know, 300 years ago before we were walking on this land, 
these people had their shit together. There was no illness, you know, there was no mental disease. Everyone sort of worked together and they they collaborated, they did things together, you know. Same as in all these other cultures around the world where they're very much um, living in their in their natural environments, you know. Uh, we're being we're being denatured consistently, you know, whereas all the truth is actually back in in that natural environment, you know, it really is. Um, you know, a lot of the conversations that I was having when I was in that uh, health advisor role were all around that, you know. You've got all these people that are on stress leave, they're anxious, they're depressed, but look at the environment, the ecosystem where we've got them in, sitting on a desk on their ass, you get the Fredo frog box there, uh, and they've got fluoro lights, they've got no natural light, they've got, you know, shit air coming in. Get them outside and get them to go for a walk every buddy couple of hours and they come back refreshed and repowered, empowered and they can actually be more productive, but the system doesn't allow them, you know, which is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So these are the things that we need to be able to do to be able to help get uh, you know, back to balance and reconnect it again. I really believe that, you know. So if they're not going to do it, we've got to do it. That's our job. You know, I don't think the government's got the answers. You know, these are the kids that were the smart kids in year 12 that have gone to uni and they've gone into this system where they're not conscious and they're not aware. Um, we've been lucky that we've actually been able to move through that and our awareness is so much greater. So it's up to us to be able to help empower others to uh, have these realisations, I think. Oh, I, I totally agree. And that's why there's so many brilliant things out there like podcasting or blogs or YouTube channels or videos or books or where people are sharing these different information. You just need to, I suppose, you consume a lot of stuff, but you actually need to take action. And I think that's probably the hardest thing. And it's very easy to know what to do, but then to actually do it, that's the hard part. And that's what I love about, you know, the Outback Mind Foundation and what you're trying to achieve because um, we both grew up in regional Victoria. And I know you've lived all over Australia now and you've seen, Seeing the struggles, not I suppose yes with men because we a lot of time don't share our feelings. And I know um, I shared about sort of my ups and downs and you've shared yours as well. And realistically, most people have had those ups and downs and a lot of people have either dealt with it and come out a better person or they're still battling with it and masking it somehow. So talk to us yeah. about the Outback Mound Foundation um, and... Yeah, was where it come from? Like I know, obviously, you were sort of your journey was going there, but then to actually do something about it and say, right, I want to give back. I love that, and that's why I want to share your message, Aaron, because a lot of people think it but not actually do it, not live it like you are. So let's talk about it, mate. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, like about 2019, I was out running one morning, and just this thing kept coming out back mine, out back mine, and. Um, I thought, well, I'll start something up and try and get some guys together and do some things back in um, in, in Horsham. So I did that and, um, you know, guys would park their car two kilometres away and then walk into the building so they, they, they wouldn't be seen, all that sort of stuff. Then I started to talk about, well, this is why you need to be seen because you've got to make a difference. You, you, you've got the shackles on still, you know, to be able to move through that. Um, so, yeah, so, so from there... Um, just starting to build a bit of a, a culture of support for, 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 for fellas to be able to come together and talk about the real stuff rather than just, you know, block it behind the ego. Uh, and, mate, I saw some transformational shifts in people, you know, to be able to actually, um, you know, be brave enough to talk about what was going on in their life and how they'd actually got there. People that have been going to psychologists for years and getting nowhere, you know, are actually starting to answer their own questions. And then being able to listen to others and actually unlock shit themselves 
So the, 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 the power of that is getting back to the flocking, like you said. Yeah. You now you're in this community where you feel safe, and then once you feel safe, then you can start to really um, crack your own egg and, and move forward. Um, so, so from there, um, yeah, it's sort of it's sort of expanded. And you know, for me, um, I uh, I just wanted to, to to have a charity, and it was it was so hard in my own belief system to think that I was I was capable of doing that. But then I got contacted by some people who said, "Well, we'll help you do this," and they've helped me with all the. Um, um, you know the, the back end side of things and the compliance and all that, and you know it's 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 challenging. I, I really need some support to be able to get out there and do the work. You know, I know if I can have that 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 taken care of, where I can just get out there and do what I need to do, uh, then I've got the ability to be able to help people. You know, take control of their own lives and really make some significant changes and start to work towards that ridiculous amounts of suicide that we have in regional Australia because people are so disconnected and disempowered. Yeah, and and I think with that... it's great when people come on board, but we we still need help. We need more of this because I know when I was talking to you previously, and again, I'll talk about when you interviewed me that my father, Kevin, and Dale Wright in Shepparton have been doing a similar thing for you know, 28, 29 years, but it's all privately funded. It's all yeah. like you, we hear about all this government mental health money. Where, where's it going? What's it actually doing? Like it, I don't know. It just drives me crazy because I see what you're doing. I see the foundation. We hear the impact it's having, but again, where's the funding? What what do we need to do? It doesn't work, mate. It's reacting. Okay. So so the whole mental health system is about wait till something's wrong with someone, then we'll be there. You know, give them a mental health plan and something other. But the whole thing needs to be turned around to be proactive, so you can actually get out there and start to do the work and talk to individuals before they're actually aware that there might be something wrong so they can start to make the changes if they need to and have the tools and skills and strategies to be able to do that and feel supported. So I quite often talk about an employer being a transformational business rather than being a transactional business. You know, 99% have still got the, the old mindset. You know, we're going to pay them well, but then, you know, we're going to worry about our bottom line. Well, we need to actually turn that around because if you can start to give people an experience where they can be a better person outside the workplace as well as inside the workplace, everything takes care of itself. That's not rocket science. But this is not what they're teaching in the MBA and they're teaching in the traditional university system. So we've got all that to unlock. We've got all these people out there making decisions in roles that, I've really got no idea in this sort of stuff, you know. So this is why, you know, we're here in this moment in time to be able to help sort of facilitate this change because uh, the mental health system primarily doesn't work. It's, it's really reactive, as I said. It's about disempowering people uh, and it's not supportive. It still keeps people in these silos, you know, and the flocking doesn't happen. We're going to create the flocks and the empowerment again to get that sort of working properly so we can actually start to alleviate a lot of these problems and people feel supported there. They don't feel isolated and separated. It's yeah. not the way to go. No, yeah. and, and, and I think, I think society's changing, but it's changing slowly. And too often still, do you know what I mean, that the only time, particularly I talk about males, and this, I used to be exactly the same, Aaron, that the only time you'd really open up was after 15 beers 
you were you were pissed. You'd share all your feelings. You'd wake up next morning and forget it even happened, and you just keep going yeah. about it. You know, and your mates would forget about it as well. Whereas you see what happens when you allow vulnerability in a safe space. Do you know what I mean? And I know that's exactly what you do with your men's groups and your sharing, your workshops, everything like that. Um, and I've seen it firsthand from the work Dad does, and and I did a, a talk for him, and I was crying in there myself and I wasn't even part of it just because of what was happening and how I felt. And that's because I had feelings that I hadn't dealt with. We need to allow this to occur because that is when transformation occurs. For sure, mate. We we had a men's circle last night and um, uh, the topic that I brought up was infidelity, you know, actually like, okay, who's been unfaithful, you know, in the room here and uh, why? And and has, has someone been unfaithful to you? And a lot of the, the, the shame in that, that the people actually like felt that they had never talked about this sort of stuff. And, and then I started to talk about some stuff and then it opened up people's conversations and they thought, shit, you know, that's why that's why I behaved like that. Um, you know, old mate was there last night, his dad, he caught his dad kissing a woman when he was like five, you know, and he, he'd followed this pattern and that sort of thing, you know, he thought it was all right and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, you know, so they're the sorts of conversations which can really have a shift at an individual, you know. Um, a blow to the heart is stronger than a blow to the body. So if you cop something like that as a young fella, um, you know, you're going to repeat those patterns consistently, you know. Yeah. If you see someone in your family or whatever do this sort of shit, then you're going to do it. Um, but I just think that, um, yeah, we can actually start to help people rediscover themselves and make changes by opening up these conversations and, and start to, um, you know, realise the blockages and gaps we've got in our lives and be able to, you know, move forward with a little bit more surety and confidence and, and get back to that support mechanism where you can have these open conversations without fear of, you know, judgement and comparison yeah. and criticism, you know. And, and, and like really, you, really yes, sorry to cut you off, mate, but like you just said, a lot of times people don't even know why they are like they are until they start talking about something. And then, you know, like old mate that saw his dad kiss him while he was five, he probably never dealt with it. He hadn't thought about it, but he'd followed that path. Um, but with saying that, it's all well and good to have a space. But, you know, like you just said, it takes somebody to lead that, to lead the flock, to be vulnerable, to allow that to occur, you know, and, that, and that's what you're doing essentially. Yeah, that's right, mate. And, and that's important, you know. Though, so so me, for me, I really want to be able to go and duplicate what we do here and all these other, you know, communities throughout Australia because I know it really works, um, you know, and to be able to pr- promote and, and, and hold space for, for people where it's needed, you know. Um, that's why, you know, it's tricky for me because I've had to fund a lot of what I've done by myself, you know. I just would love to be able to, you know, go in there fearlessly and start to create these um, these opportunities for people because I know how how transformational it can actually be, you know. Um, so the amount of money that gets committed to the mental health system, you know, in, in local government, state government, federal government, all that, isn't really working. I'd say a lot of it's not. How about we actually look at doing something a little bit differently here and giving people Will, um, some 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 real skills and build their capacity. I suppose I think rather than um, just just talk about stuff. You know, the yeah. amount of money that goes to Beyond Blue and Movember and all that. I just don't know how um, how effective that actually is in, in, in giving back. You know, I just think if we can do work at the coalface uh, and start to um, you know really start to 
to, 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 to hit things um, before they uh, become problems, uh, I think it's really where we're going to start to see some, some real change moving forward into the future. Yeah, I, well, I totally agree. I don't know how many people from the government would be listening to this podcast, Aaron, which is <laughs> unfortunate, <laughs> mate. But I'll tell you who might be listening. It could be a corporate. It could be somebody that wants to inject some good, that wants to make a change but doesn't know where to start. So your foundation is all about that. You know, you, you've got a goal to help as many men in regional Australia as you possibly can, you know, and like you just said, it starts with a conversation. And if somebody wants to make a difference, wants to have an input, doesn't have the same vision you do or the skill set, what, what can they do? How can they help you? How can they bring your life goal, your mission? How, what can they do to assist Aaron? We need the right partners. So we need an organisation, say, like Elders or someone like that. It's actually providing goods and services into regional communities to be able to say, oh, yeah, we need to make a difference here and uh, get some things, you know, moving out there rather than taking all the time, actually doing something to, to, to give back. There's so many organisations that just take from these small places and towns, you know, but they're not actually doing much to give back. We... We, we've got the ability to be able to give back uh, and they can partner with us to do so, but we just need to have the conversations around how that can possibly work and then start to, you know, form long-term relationships, not band-aid fixes, you know, with, with towns, with communities, with clubs, with workplaces that actually, you know, become uh, part of cultures rather than actually just being the band-aid fits about going in and doing something every now and then. You know, it doesn't work. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So people people are listening right now. Where's the best place to reach out to you? Is it outbackmindfoundation.com.au? Is that the place? Yeah, outbackmind.org.au. Yeah, um, yeah and really that, that website's... Uh, it's just got a thing on donations there. They just need to contact me to, 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 um, to talk about that. But, yeah, there's going to be a new platform set up uh, where people can just go on there and make a donation. As I said, I've been doing a lot of this myself and I haven't had the money to be able to go and throw it, getting, um, you know, all the, all the bells and whistles. Um, but, you know, certainly that's, that's evolving and there's been some great people come along to give me a hand with stuff. So it's, um, it's evolving. And, yeah, uh, yeah just uh, if there is someone listening that, um, that actually does... Um, does want to sort of step up and make a difference, then, you know, we need to start to have the conversations now because it will not only just transform other people's lives, but it will transform their life mm. and their business's life as well, you know, to be able to, to be uh, seen as being something which is, um, you know, giving back, but also, you know, giving giving back for the right intentions. The return on investment, you know, is significant. You know, that that's secondary. But I know that the good things come for those who um, who actually like you know have purpose and, and passion about what they do, rather than worrying about the bottom line so much. You know that take care of, takes care of itself if you actually put yourself in a position to do so. Well, it does, and it it really comes back to you know what we're talking about when you see people in you know third world countries and what makes them happy. It's service, it's giving back to others, it's uplifting the people around you, and essentially. You know, that's what we're talking about here, that these are events that uh, too often you'll see, and I know I've done a lot of these, where you'll go and you'll do a talk, Aaron, you'll, you'll get a room full of men or whatever, but it's it's fun, but then everyone gets pissed at the end. You know, you need to you need to yeah. do an event that's a breakfast. I feel that, 
you know, you have two or three speakers, you, you have an impact, you actually get to share and, and you plant the seed because that's where we're at. That's what we need to do. So if you are listening right now, this episode number 265, go to the show links. I've got uh, Aaron's podcast, which is brilliant. Go and check that out. But also his website where you can reach out, you can make a difference and just start the conversation. Um, and that's the biggest thing we need to do now. Or, sorry, Aaron, I'm talking a lot here, but I'm passionate about this. Or if you're listening to this and you know someone that is doing well, has a good business and would love to give back to their community, it doesn't matter where it is, all right? That's the person that needs to listen to this right now and reach out to Aaron. So, um, Aaron, as always, mate, uh, thanks so much for having me on your show recently. Um, and thanks for your chat today, your honesty. And, and not only that, the great work you're doing, mate. It's We need more of it. And it's been brilliant to hear everything about it today. Appreciate it, mate. Really grateful for for you and um, you following your passion and doing this sort of stuff because it's so much better than uh, doing something you don't love, you know, at the end of the day. We've all got uh, purpose in this lifetime to be able to do something we do love and let's follow that so we can get to this the stage when we're old, meaning we can actually look back on our life with, uh, you know, with, with fondness rather than sort of regret, I guess, at the end of the day. Oh, bang. If there's no better way to finish, that's it right now. As I said, reach out to Aaron. It's episode number 265. Get the ball rolling. Start making a difference. Service is the key. Aaron, thanks so much for being on the show. Great, man. Thank you, mate.